You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. That's Bet Online where the game starts. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are going to be previewing Kentucky basketball's matchup with the UCLA Bruins, going to be taken on UCLA in Madison Square Garden. Also going to be talking with Andy Patton, host of the College Bas- or Locked On College Basketball Podcast, excuse me, going to be previewing this game with him, and then also going to be looking at two other games that are happening this weekend, uh, both of which include SEC teams, probably going to be relevant and interesting to you guys as well. Well, thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, would really appreciate it if you subscribed. It would mean a ton to the channel. It would mean a ton to me as well. So let's go ahead and dive into it. Kentucky, UCLA, it is happening tomorrow, 4.15 Central, 5.15 Eastern Time on CBS, Madison, Madison Square, Square Garden. It is going to be a huge game. And to be honest with you guys, after taking a look at some of the numbers and taking a look at this game, I wanted to come through in this preview and give reasons why I think Kentucky's going to be able to come out and pull off this game. But after doing a little bit of research, I think the Wildcats are going to lose this one. And I need them to prove me wrong. And here's what I mean by that. So we talk about this with Andy here in just a little bit. But UCLA has been on a tear recently. So their fourth and fifth game of the season, they lost 97, or excuse me, 79-70 to Illinois, and then 80-75 to Baylor. Okay, they started the year two and three. Then they started a conference play, got a couple of wins early, and then just recently, they beat Maryland, who is not a bad team, and they beat the brakes off of them. Maryland had 20 points at halftime against, uh, against the Bruins. 87-60 to 60 was the final score. UCLA, not necessarily known for their defense, played really, really, really good. And they've been on a winning streak since that loss to Baylor. So I think first and foremost, you've got some momentum uh, in UCLA's favor. And by the way, I just want to point out for somebody out there that may be wondering, well, maybe it's Maryland's offensive inefficiencies that maybe caused them to really have 20 points as opposed to UCLA's defense. Maryland has a top 30 uh Offense, according to Kim Palm, in terms of adjusted efficiency. So this is not a bad team that UCLA just beat the brakes off of. In fact, I would say that they're comparable to some of the things that Kentucky will want to do. We'll get to that in a second. But what UCLA did, and this is what I think Kentucky honestly struggles to do, is UCLA forced Maryland and they forced their opponents to take tough shots. And they forced them to make tough shots. They've applied pressure. You know how we talked last season whenever we were doing some breakdowns throughout conference play, whenever we would come in and we would preview a game? I'm thinking most specifically about Georgia. We said about that opponent, like, you know, they're playing defense, but they're not applying pressure, and they're not applying pressure to anybody. 
and how it allows the opponent to kind of operate within themselves and kind of do what they want to do, establish their identity on that end. UCLA is not going to let Kentucky do that. They're not going to let Kentucky do that in this game. The thing that I think will be a constant, regardless of whatever UCLA wants to do, is Oscar Shibwe. And we'll talk about his importance in a minute. But this team overall, what have they struggled to do in tough games when things matter? They have struggled to hit tough shots. I continue to go back to the biggest issue I think I've had this season. Michigan State, third game of the year, lost in double overtime. There were so many moments where Kentucky could have put it away, and there were so many missed shots at the rim that it got really frustrating as a fan to watch it unfold. And it's become a realization, you know, after that Gonzaga game, it's like, oh, this team cannot hit shots in the clutch consistently. At least they have not shown the ability to two games in. Now, I think the immediate pushback is like, well, Case and Mollis hit a three at the end of regulation against Michigan. I'm not talking about tough in terms of what's at stake. I'm talking about tough in terms of physically difficult to get up and go in, to, to get up and make it go in, right? I'm not talking about, oh, the moment's big. It's too, it's too big for these guys. I'm saying UCLA is going to put these guys in uncomfortable situations where their athleticism is going to have to shine. And to be honest with you, based on what we've seen so far this year, I don't necessarily know if that, that's going to be able to happen. Now, I want Kentucky to prove me wrong. They're going to have to prove me wrong to win this game. But based on our scouting report here, UCLA applies a decent amount of pressure. In fact, they're also top 15 in terms of turnover percentage. So they're going to make Kentucky uncomfortable and make John Calipari maybe operate things a little bit differently unless Kentucky just comes out the gates firing, in which case it's a different conversation, right? It's like, oh, well, Kentucky was hot. They ended up being hot, which was great. We need to see more of that. But yeah, I think you've got to see Severe Wheeler and Antonio Reeves, Casey Wallace, and C.J. Frederick step up. I think this game is about what you do in the backcourt. I really do. More specifically, I think it's what Antonio Reeves, Casey Wallace do, and Casey Wallace do. And if Severe Wheeler ends up taking 14 shots, I need him to hit at least six of them. I need for Kentucky to have a chance in this game because we've not even talked about UCLA's offense. Kentucky has to be able to get good guard play. They need it this time. And at 7-2, and two, I'm just saying, you know, even Kim Palm doesn't think Kentucky's going to win this game. I think that Kentucky's got to be able to prove themselves. They were really, really, uh, they were really propped up heading into this season by not just me, by a, a lot of different outlets out there. They need to win this game to prove that they're actually contending. And I know that it's early in the season, but look, the two games that have mattered the most, they folded it. They need to be able to rebound. You look at UCLA's offense and what they've done so far this season, they are third nationally in adjusted efficiency. We tend to not look at points per game averages here. We tend to look at just how efficient you are. They play with a decent amount of tempo, but it's not crazy. They do not turn the ball over and they shoot well. That is simply it. They're a disciplined team. They're also a very, very experienced team on top of that. You look at the two players that are really, really big for them that have been there for what feels like 20 years. Uh, Jacquez, their forward, I believe his name is, is 
I, I don't remember if it's Jamie or Jame or Jaime Jacquez. We all know who I'm talking about. You've seen him in the March Madness highlights for two or three years now. And then Tiger Campbell, their undersized senior guard, who has been really, really good for them for a couple of years now. Look, those two guys pilot this offense. Those two guys make a go. But Amari Bailey, Jalen Clark are two really, really good forwards for them. Two really good wings. They don't have a ton of size. In fact, they don't elect to use a lot of uh, size at all. The, the only two players that they have are, are that are over 6'10". They don't really use a whole lot in terms of minutes. So, yeah, I think that this is a guard-centric team. It's going to go out there and not turn the ball over. They're going to be efficient. They're not necessarily going to be quick, but they're going to be quick whenever they need to. It's a disciplined team. It's a really good Mick Cronin team. So Kentucky's got to go out there, and they got to play a better version of basketball. That's just simply it. You know how we've said so far this season that there are some games, like even look at the Yale game, right? This most recent one. I said that whatever Kentucky did shooting-wise, they were still probably going to be able to come out and get the win because they're more athletic and they're more talented. This is a game where Kentucky's got to play the better version of, version of basketball. This is not a game where they can play afford to play ugly and somehow get the win. Because UCLA is not just going to randomly fold. They're just not. So I need Kentucky to prove me wrong heading into this one so that, that we can see some progress from this Wildcats team before they head into the SEC slate. So that's my thought on this game. If you've got any thoughts on it, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below. I think this is going to be a fun one, to be honest with you, but I've got the Bruins taking the cake. Hey, before we get to our conversation with Andy Patton about the UCLA-Kentucky game and all the other games going on, the huge ones going on this weekend, we got a great slate of college basketball. I want to tell you guys about our friends over at BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball and the World Cup. They've got it all over at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That is BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Well, yeah, the SEC has got themselves a trio of fantastic games on Saturday. In fact, for anybody listening to the show, including you, Lance, I hope sincerely that everybody's got a comfortable pair of pajamas to wear on Saturday because it is an extraordinary day of college basketball games. There are, we are going to talk in just this segment alone, we're going to talk about three games where all of the six teams playing are ranked within the top 20. And we're not even talking about Houston, Virginia, which is arguably the most exciting game happening on Saturday. My co-host Isaac Shade and Parker Ainsworth, the host of Locked On Cougs, already discussed that one earlier this week, but it is a ridiculous slate of basketball games taking place on Saturday. Landstall Locked On Kentucky is here. We're going to start talking about, of course, the Kentucky and UCLA game. Lance, I don't know how much you saw of this, but UCLA absolutely dismantled the Maryland Terrapins earlier this week. 20 points at halftime for Maryland. UCLA only had four turnovers. They shot over 55% from the field, over 40% from deep. This is not exactly what UCLA has looked like all year. They obviously had a couple of losses in Portland in the Phil Knight Invitational, but or not, excuse me, not in Portland. They had a couple of losses in their MTE earlier this year. But regardless, this team is rolling right now. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what Kentucky needs to do to avoid getting steamrolled here by this really good UCLA team. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, picked a, picked up a couple back-to-back losses earlier in the year to Illinois mm-hmm. and Baylor. Obviously, riding some momentum, like you said, after just absolutely dismantling Maryland. Not a whole lot that I caught from that game, but like mm-hmm. you mentioned, and we were talking about this before we got on air, 20 points at halftime. So yeah. we, you note, by the way, that the calling card for the Bruins has been the offense. Yeah. But for them to be able to step up in that type of way against Maryland, maybe it's Maryland's inefficiencies on their own, maybe a little bit of a mix there, but really impressive with they've been able to do over the past several games since that mm-hmm. loss to Baylor. Look, I think it's very, very simple what Kentucky needs to do in this game and what UCLA wants to kind of force Kentucky to do. I think they're going to try and make the Wildcats take some really tough shots. If you do end up actually going back and watching that Maryland game or watch some of their more impressive wins so far this season, they really hound you and they put you on the three-point line and they make you take tough, contested shots. And to be honest with you, that's something that Kentucky has struggled to do so far this season. They have some guards that we had really high expectations for heading into the season. Obviously, Antonio Reeves, C.J. Frederick, we expected them to be really, really good. Reeves actually leads the team in scoring right now as a really decent three-point threat on his own. But what the Wildcats have struggled to do this season offensively is create, I think, outside of the structure that they have, create and really knock down those tough jumpers like I was discussing. So I think that's what UCLA is going to force Kentucky to try and do, and I think that's simply what they have to do is take tough shots and make tough shots in this game. I think Oscar Sheepway, look, he's a known commodity. I think he's going to have his way in this game just based on what I've seen with the numbers and the individual matchups. UCLA, not particularly tall, only 170th or 160th, excuse me, in uh, average national height. I I think that Shibway should be able to do what he wants to in this game. But outside of that, he can't be the only guy that's running the ship, right? You have to be able to get better guard play. I think Severe Wheeler, who we talked about at length actually on a recent episode of Locked On Kentucky, whether or not he should be getting as many minutes as he is because of his inefficiency shooting the basketball. I think he's going to have to step up in a big way across from him. Tiger Campbell, obviously a really good point guard for the Bruins for the past 25 years. He's been there for a hot minute. (laughs) That's going to be an interesting matchup. But yeah, I think it's just guards creating and actually knocking down the shots they take. That is the biggest thing for me in this game. I'm going to be really fascinated to see how this game plays out, especially like you said, in the, in the backcourt, we, Shibway is going to have a fantastic game. I really believe that, but can Kentucky's guards keep up with the really good guard play that we've seen from the Bruins so far this year? To me, that is going to be a huge hinge. Lance, I want to pivot and move to other SEC games, other Kentucky opponents that they're going to see down the line. Uh, Again, like we said, the SEC has decided to play out West on Saturday. They got three games against West Coast opponents. Uh, Of course, the other one is a big matinee contest, 10 a.m., out on the West Coast between the Zags and the Alabama Crimson Tide. That game is going to be played in Birmingham, so it is not a home game for Alabama, but it is a pseudo-home game. It is the return of the last time these two teams played last year at the new Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle. So it's kind of a pseudo-home-and-home series between Mark Few and Nate Oates. Uh, Gonzaga's had kind of an odd year. Three losses already, which is very uncharacteristic, very unusual for a Mark Few-led program, of course, Those three losses are to Texas, Purdue, and Baylor, losses that at the time, some of them didn't look as good as they do now. (laughs) Those are three really not bad losses to have on your calendar. Of course, Gonzaga did uh, secure a victory over Kentucky, as well as Michigan State, as well as Xavier. 
But this Alabama team has done something that hasn't been done in over 50 years, Lance. That is, they defeated two number one ranked teams in the same season before January. The last time that happened, 1965 Mm. by the Duke Blue Devils. This is a remarkable, remarkable season so far for Alabama. Of course, that four overtime win over North Carolina and the victory over Houston. For me, this game's going to come down to how the Zags can defend freshman Brandon Miller. He's been absolutely incredible for Alabama this year. I'm curious kind of your thoughts on this game and what's going to be a really fun one on Saturday morning. Yeah, before I dive into that, I just want to point out, you talk about all these teams handing each other losses. Isn't it weird how Baylor has just kind of gotten lost in the shuffle mm-hmm. after beating UCLA and Gonzaga? I mean, they caught yeah. losses against Marquette and Virginia. I remember watching that Marquette game and going, what the heck yeah. is going on? But like, even you mentioned for Gonzaga, three losses so far this season. I mean, early in these non-conference games that are really, really significant, teams are just kind of taking body blows from just random opponents, it feels like. And Gonzaga, yeah. obviously one of them that's come out the gates struggling a little bit I would mm-hmm. say obviously the Zags I think on defense in the two losses before mm-hmm. the Baylor game yeah you and I have talked about this yeah <laughs> it was about getting back on defense yeah absolutely. and this should be a track meet right just mm-hmm. based on what we understand about both these teams their offensive philosophies what Nate Oates likes to do yep. what Mark Few likes to do Brandon Miller obviously for the Crimson Tide a really really solid freshman only shooting 39% from the floor, which is something that I noted whenever I was looking up numbers for the, for this conversation, Andy, that's mm-hmm. not uh, particularly great. But right. I mean, when you're getting almost 19 a night out of a freshman, you're obviously going to take that. But mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I think this is going to come down to just simply which team can get out and transition and score the most. Obviously, mm-hmm. Gonzaga's had struggle, uh, issues with that, like yeah. you mentioned a second ago. But that's really, I, I think that you could break down individual matchups. Obviously, Javon Quinterly is going to be important from the Crimson Tide as well. Uh, Drew Timmy, what is he going to do? You know, mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier that a player had was in college for 25 years. I think Timmy actually has 26, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> I'd have to go and check. But it is really going to come down to pacing, who can mm-hmm. be more efficient in their transition offense, and who can knock down more shots. I think this is going to be a really fun game, very entertaining to watch. Like you said at the beginning of, of this segment, Andy, mm-hmm. you better get your pajamas, you better get your popcorn. This <laughs> one's going to be entertaining for sure. Absolutely. Uh, the, the Crimson Tide did a good job against Drew Timmy last year, and Charles Bediaco was a big part of that. If he, he's back, he's healthy. If he can help shut down Drew Timmy, then Gonzaga's secondary scorers, namely Julian Strother or Rasir Bolton, really need to step up in a major way. They haven't really been consistent yet this year, but this is going to be one where they're both going to be – they need to be on their A game for Gonzaga to pull out a victory here. Lance, final game here of this ridiculous SEC West Coast gauntlet, just three games and many – that are worth watching on Saturday. That is between the Tennessee Wild, Tennessee Volunteers, excuse me, and the Arizona Wildcats. Let's get that correct. Uh, Tennessee sixth, Arizona ninth. Uh, obviously, another really fun matchup between two top ten teams. Tennessee had that odd loss to Colorado. Very kind of baffling game in the midst of a very baffling season for Colorado, quite frankly. Uh, but other than that, Tennessee has just been absolutely rolling. And the same story with Arizona. They have been fantastic. There was thought that maybe there would be a dip. Uh, in this team's production after they lost three players to the NBA last year and Ben Matherin, uh, Christian Coloco, Dallin Terry. Now, of course, they're still rolling. Tommy Lloyd's got this team in a great spot. Azulis Tubelis looks like a dark horse player of the year candidate. Former Gonzaga center Umar Balo followed Lloyd to Arizona. He's been fantastic as well. Uh, curious your thoughts on what should be a really another really fun, really entertaining matchup on Saturday. Obviously, this one's going to be fun, but a a little bit of a stark contrast here, Andy. It's the nation's best offense against the nation's best defense in terms of adjusted efficiency. 
uh, whenever you go and look at Kim Palm. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Tommy Lloyd knows how to run offense. This guy knows how to put points up, and it's been really fun to see the Wildcats underneath him for two seasons now. Mm -hmm. uh, Tabellus, I think, is going to be one of the big matchups in sure. this game. How does Tennessee's front court handle this guy? They've got two really, really solid front court players and Euros Plavchich and then obviously uh, Olivier uh, Kumwa over mm -hmm. there uh, as, as the starter coming out, uh, coming out the gate. So yeah. how those two guys defensively handle him is going to be, I think, one of the big things in this game. Obviously, he, Tabellis, is, is leading the Wildcats in, uh, mm -hmm. in, in scoring, obviously. And, and I think it's going to be important to see what Arizona does outside of him. Uh, I think that's going to be really important to note. Something else, Andy, that I also wanted to point out. Tennessee really has struggled to shoot the ball this year. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, they're a good team. Don't get me yeah. wrong. Very mm -hmm. talented, very athletic, got a lot of hype, all that good stuff. They're shooting about 40% from the floor as a team. And that is the fact. I'll just say this. We talk about that Colorado loss being just crazy. Mm -hmm. But for this team right now to be 9-1, and one, and shooting 40% from the floor yeah. is impressive, especially considering the amount of really good opponents that they've played, which you actually talked about that on my podcast the other day. Yeah, <laughs> uh, this, has been, uh, this has been an interesting stretch here. Something I wanted to point out before we kind of wrap things up. Of Tennessee's top six contributors, meaning the percentage of possessions used, it's their top six contributors. Only two of them have an effective field goal percentage of 50% or higher which is obviously not good. It's in relation to that 40% as a team. All six of Arizona's top six contributors are 50% or higher from the floor. So, uh, yeah, I think Arizona, I think they've got some height on them, got some speed on them. Mm -hmm. I would pick Arizona in this matchup, but, man, if Tennessee's defense comes yeah. out swinging or if Arizona's just cold from the floor to start, mm -hmm. um, this could be a dogfight uh, in a way that we've not seen uh, in quite some time for for uh, for the, for Arizona, but for Tennessee, I think this is this is nothing special. If this does get into a little bit of a grit and grind type of game, mm -hmm. all right, that was our conversation with Andy Patton of Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Really appreciate the conversation that we had with him. Going to try and have him on on a weekly basis. If you would please do so, go search up the Locked On College Basketball Podcast YouTube channel and give them a subscription as well. Look, I know as Kentucky fans that we kind of like to center on. What's going on with our team? But really, considering how prestigious of a program we are, we should be knowing, we should be understanding what's going on in the world of college basketball because chances are the teams that they're talking about over there on, on Locked On College Basketball, Kentucky's probably going to face here in the future. And also, they're probably talking about the Wildcats as well. So really appreciate Andy. Really appreciate Isaac Shade, the co-host there over at LOCBB. Really appreciate them. And yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hey, you can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. And you can follow the show over on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. Any questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments below. We will be back on Monday to talk about Kentucky's game against UCLA. Strap in, guys. It's going to be a really fun end to the season. See you all then. God bless. <laughs>